We're going to jump right in this morning. We're in a series called Transformers. We're going to be starting out in the book of 2 Corinthians 5.16. We're going to be jumping through some different passages this morning. One of the best ways to follow along is going to be on our app, Movement Church app. Last week, we talked about the why and the who of transformation. Why and the who of transformation. Why we should be transformed. I would highly encourage you to go back and watch the series on YouTube if you haven't seen it to get you caught up, if you feel like you're missing something. Today we're going to talk about trust, trust in the tension of transformation, because I know that in my transformation process that I had to really, and I still today have to rely on trust. Let's read 2 Corinthians 5.16 together really quickly. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though once we regarded Jesus Christ this way, we do so no longer. Therefore. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. Now I'm going to back up a second. I want us to read this together, starting in verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. Let's say this again. The new, okay, and the next part, the, and, can I tell you that If you're in a relationship with Jesus Christ, that the old man is gone. That the new is here. I know in my life that was really good news because the old man is the dead man and the longer the dead man stays around, the more that life stinks. And I needed to to get away from the old man. I needed to get to the new man. But you may share the same experience that I had. I remember around the year 2000, I gave my life back to Jesus. God began dealing with the big rocks in my life. You know, the big glaring things that are really evident. The things that when God changes those big rock things in your life, the people around you notice very quickly. What changed in you? I remember showing up to a life group and the people in the life group knew who I was growing up in Oceanside and they were all stunned. They told the person leading the life group after I left, what was he doing here? God was dealing with some big rock things in my life and then God started dealing with some of the smaller rocks. But along the way, there was a struggle. Paul, I think, defines it best. I'm going to read this in the message translation in Romans 7, 14. It says, I can anticipate the response that is coming. I know that all God's commands are spiritual, but I am not. Isn't this also your experience? Yes, I'm full of my, I'm going to preach to myself right now, okay? Yes, I am full of myself. Pray for myself too. Yes, I am full of myself. After all, I've spent a long time in sin's prison. That word sin, missing the mark, making mistakes. I've spent a long time making mistakes and imprisoned by the mistakes that I've made. What I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then I act another, doing things I absolutely despise. (laughs) 
God was dealing with the big rocks in my life and I was doing pretty good for a while. And then it was like, why am I doing this thing over here again? Can anyone relate? So if I can't be trusted to figure out what is best for myself and then do it, it becomes obvious that God's command is necessary. See, Paul finds himself in the middle of this battle that you and I probably find ourselves in. Very similarly in our humanity, we can relate to him. He finds himself in the middle of a process of transformation. God, you're changing me. God, why do I keep doing this thing over here? It's, this thing, it's the thing that I say, like, I will never be like my parents. If you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. I'm never going to say that. You may look at your parents and go, I'm never going to do that. And it's one of those oddities of life, that thing that you're like, I don't ever want to be that. I don't ever want to do that. I would never. Well, they're doing that. At least I'm better than them because at least I'm not doing that. And then suddenly you find yourself doing that very thing. And you despise it. And Paul is saying, hey, listen, I'm with you. I can relate to you in 2020. Because there's things that I'm struggling with. And I'm right, I am personally right in the middle of the process of my transformation and what he's telling us. And he's being made into a new creation. This is important for us to understand. He's being made into a new creation. In 2 Corinthians, it says that the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. But here's the trick. Transformation is a process not an event. It is a process, not an event. We are made into new creations when we believe in Jesus. Listen, there was a day in my life, and maybe there's a day marked in your life. Maybe today is the day in your life. I don't know when your time is, but there was a day when I said to Jesus, yes to Jesus, and I was made a new creation, I, was, I put my faith, I believed in Jesus, yes to, and I was made a new creation. So we are made in new creations when we believe in Jesus, but we are becoming new creations as we follow Jesus. There is a moment that it began, but there is a process of it continuing, and I'm becoming. I am and I am becoming. Transformation then begins with an event, a moment, but it is perfected in a process. Philippians 1.6 is being confident of this, that he who began a good work, there's a beginning. He who began a good work, there's your beginning. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So we have the beginning and then he's going to carry it on to completion. We have the process. We have, we have the moment marked in time. I have a moment marked, etched in my brain of sitting in a church, holding my oldest daughter. I remember what the pastor said. I remember where I was. I remember, I, I mean, it's like the lighting in the room. Where I was sitting, I mean, I remember it all. There was a moment in time that began, and I became a new creation 
and who you see today is 18 years, 19 years of walking in a process. For some of you, maybe you've been walking in a process for a year. Maybe you've been walking in a process for 30 years. I don't know. We're all in process. Tension in this process of transformation may have you questioning whether or not you've been transformed by Jesus at all. Times in my life where I was, I'm, I still moments where I, I, I'm feeling the tension of this process as I'm walking through life. And sometimes I'm like, dude, do you even know Jesus? Like what you just said, like your actions just now do not match up whatsoever with what the Bible says. What are you like? What, what's like? I'm doing the things that I don't want to, like, I am despicable. And you maybe are wrestling with guilt or shame. I know that I've wrestled with guilt or shame and asking this question. How can I be a new creation if I see old creation stuff still popping up? How can I be a new creation if I still see this old creation stuff popping up? And we're hard. I, I'm harder on myself than I am on the people around me. So I'm hard on my. Is it? Does, can anyone relate to that? How many of you? Are, how many of you are hard on yourself? Man. It, it, so what happens is we become very judgmental of ourselves. Like we, we're hard on ourselves, and we don't take into account that we're in process of being transformed, and that we're human and we're going to make mistakes. And then furthermore. We look at other people and we forget sometimes the longer that we know Jesus, the further away we get from the crawling and the drooling on ourselves stage. Right? And all of a sudden we're mature and we're running and we meet, so we're hard on ourselves, but then we also can be really hard on young Christians. And we're like, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you running? You're like crawling around and making a mess all over yourself. You're in spiritual diapers. What's your problem? And I'm going to tell you something. I'm, I'm going to speak to Christians right now, potentially that have known Jesus for a long time. It is our heart to be able to love these babies like we would love our own children and understand where they're at in the process, just like Jesus looks at us and understands when we make a mess, that he knows where we're at in our process. That it is our heart's desire here in, in this church family that we would see people coming in the door that are messy. Because when it comes down to it, maybe the big messes, the big rocks in our life Christians, God's dealt with, and now there's the subtleties. It's the weight that we carry that's internal that no one can see. And so for us to understand that we're all wrestling with this stuff, but we have to understand that the process of transformation is to train us and to teach us to train us, and to teach us. I, I, I'm going to, I love this quote. 
a guy named John Wimber, one of my heroes of faith. He says, training is being equipped rather than educated. Training is being equipped rather than educated. And then he goes on to say, it is being formed as well as being informed. That it, 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 it is our job. Scripture has told us that what we're to do is to help equip the saints for the work of ministry. So I'm very, I'm very confident about this fact. If, if, if for some strange reason you're looking for like the church to educate you but not activate you, because equipping has to do with activation, this is not the church family that you should probably participate and sow your time into. I'm not here to merely inform you and educate you, but to see your formation take place and for you to be equipped because equipping means you're actually doing it. Jesus equipped the disciples by saying, hey, come along. You see me do it, now you do it. That's the process. It's a, it is a process. And while that's happening all the while, Jesus wasn't looking for perfection out of the disciples. It's like, I'm not perfect, you're not perfect, but we can begin the equipping process by walking in our transformation. The biggest tension in my process, it rests in trust. The biggest tension in my process of transformation rests in trust. See, because your trust, my trust of our training, and your trust and my trust of our trainer have an enemy. By the way, let me just stop and say, you should have a trainer. You're in training. That's called life, by the way. You're in training called life. You should have a trainer. My prescriptive advice, I said this week one in our series, Jesus is your guide. Jesus should be your trainer. And God will give people around you as well to, to, be, to be practical flesh and blood to come alongside you. For me, I, I, I'm like the school of hard knocks. I need someone to be next to me to give me a swift kick. Sometimes like a bit of a like punch to the throat to wake me up, to get me back, to get me back on track. But your trust in your training and your trust in your trainer have an enemy named doubt. And here's the interesting thing about doubt. Doubt creeps. Doubt creeps. If you sleep on your training, doubt will continue to creep deeper. Doubt creeps when you sleep. The first place doubt begins to creep into your heart, <laughs> when things don't go the way that you 
would have planned if you were the trainer of your own training? Right? Well, I wouldn't do it this way. So give me back the keys. It's a conversation that every man and woman have when they're driving in the car somewhere. Men, we think we know where we're going, and we love the adventure of not using our GPS or map. Women, you're infuriated by our sense of adventure. And so at some point, women, you, you, you want to say, give me the keys to the car. I will drive. And we do this in our life. I don't like how you're taking me on the route. Give me back the keys. So the first thing the enemy gets you to doubt is God and to take back control. The first thing the enemy does is get you to doubt God and take back control of your training. Proverbs 28, 26. Those who trust in themselves are fools. I'm going to say that again. Those who trust in themselves are fools. I'm going to say that to myself. Pat, when you trust in yourself, you're a fool. Pat, you think that your way is best, but your best has gotten you into nothing but trouble. But you're right. Trust yourself. You be the athlete in training and the trainer. But those who walk in wisdom are kept safe, is what the rest of it says. See, wisdom teaches us to let Jesus carry the weight of being in control of our training. Wisdom teaches us to have someone else in control of our training. Wisdom teaches us this. Being confident of this, I already read this, Philippians 1.6, he who began a good work in you will carry it on. Who's carrying it? Jesus is carrying it. Jesus is carrying the weight of it. You know, as, as, as I train, so uh, I would highly suggest to you, um, we love giving back to the city of Oceanside. We're here in San Marcos. We do some things also in Oceanside. We love giving back to the city of Oceanside. We do that in a number of ways. One of the ways that we do it, believe it or not, is that I race in the Ironman in Oceanside, but we also volunteer at Ironman. And Ironman as a foundation, they have a nonprofit foundation, do some really awesome things in the city of Oceanside. So I would highly recommend, like, volunteer at Ironman. So I'm getting ready to race in three weeks. That's when you're going to volunteer if you choose to do so. Don't volunteer because I'm racing. Volunteer because it's great for the city and it's great for the people, okay? So here's the deal. I train six days a week. Now, in my training, I have a coach. And yesterday, like... The absurdity of some of the things that this coach tells me to do. She tells me to go out in the ocean and swim around. It's cold and windy and choppy. So I'm going to go swim around and frolic in the water. 
with all of the ocean life, right? I don't even want to think about what that means. Then she wants me to ride my bicycle for 50 miles. And then she wants me to get off my bicycle. Keep in mind, I'm in training. And the test of my training is going to be on April 4th when I race. Then she wants me to get off my bike after riding 50 miles and run for 10 miles. She says, run how you feel. If you feel good, run hard. Okay. I get into the run and about five, six miles in, my body is like, pump the brakes, brother. What are you doing? And I begin to struggle. And the first thing that goes into my mind is my coach is an idiot. You know, she should have just said ride like 30 miles at a nice, easy pace and jog five, maybe walk one, go have a latte. That sounds like my kind of plan. This is ridiculous. See, what happens is when things get tough, you will begin to doubt your trainer and your training. And I'm suffering. I'm running down Pacific Street, and who pulls up next to me? On their bicycle with a couple other team members. My coach. How are you feeling? I said, a word that I can't repeat as a pastor here on church. You know that you know that place that you, you know the place in your struggle that you get sometimes when life seems really dark and there's no way out and there's no way else to explain to somebody how you're doing. Have you ever been in that season? That's where I was. She says, well, you, "You look great," and the other team members like, "You look great, Pat. You look great, and you're running strong." And I'm like, "I'm about to die. I feel horrible," and she starts giving me advice. Well, you look great. You just you need the next time you need to eat because every ten minutes my watch goes off and I have to eat food and drink some water. Right? The next time you eat, double down on your nutrition and your your legs will come back because you'll get you'll get some sugar in your system. <laughs> okay, that's my attitude. Yeah, yeah. Literally, I'm running and I went. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh huh. How is your nutrition? How is what's feeding you? How are you feeding yourself today, family? She goes, how's your nutrition doing? And I went, better. I should should have said bitter because I was bitter at that point. This is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Why would you? All the while, I was the one who signed up for the thing, right? But it's her fault. Don't we do that to God? God, I'm the one who bought the house. I'm the one who bought the car. I'm the one who got married. I'm the one who had kids. I'm the one, but it's your fault. And we want to divorce ourselves from our trainer. We want to, that doubt begins to creep deeper and we start questioning God and his plan for us. Then, then it gets deeper. Because second thing that happens is, you begin to doubt yourself. See, first, our first response is generally blame everyone around you. Well, it's church's fault. It's God's fault. It's his fault. It's her fault. It's my boss's fault. It's the traffic's fault. 
Why were you late? There was traffic on the 78. There's traffic on the 78 every day. The worst thing that can happen is we begin to doubt ourselves. And I want to tell you something. God has given you full access to everything that he has for you. He's doubled down. God does not withhold anything from you. But what happens is we withhold ourselves from walking in it because we don't think we're worthy of receiving it. And that is what doubting in ourselves does. That's the damage. I'm not worth it. Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, in the middle of that thing that was taking place last night, you know, in the middle of that thing that you were, that conversation that maybe you were having this, you know, in the middle of that thought, that keeps tripping you up. Jesus is still looking at you and saying, hey, you're doubting yourself right now. You've doubted me, but you're now deeper. You're doubting yourself. But I want you to know something. Your doubt doesn't disqualify you from my love. Because if you weren't disqualified while you were still a sinner and I died for you, now that you've looked to me, how much more of my love do you receive? You're worth it. By the, end of, by the end of my training yesterday, I literally hit this point. This is hard. This is stupid. My coach is stupid and worthless. Here's where I landed. I'm horrible. I'm never going to make it. It's not even worth it, and I'm not worth it. I don't think I can do this. That fast. Doubt creeps. small, almost indistinguishable point in your life to the drama of I'm not going to make it another day. And some of us in, in, in roles in your life as mothers, as fathers, as friends, as sons and daughters and employees and employees, here's what we do. When we doubt ourselves, we disqualify ourselves. I might as well just leave him or her because I'm never going to. We disqualify ourselves from walking in the things that God gave us access to walk in. I'm going to make this statement. I'm going to have the band come out.
I just felt like this morning, I called an audible. Here's what I did. I wanted to be sure that my message was done very succinctly and on time because I felt like that last song we were singing, I wanted the band to come out and walk us through this song again because there's something important about us revisiting who Jesus is in our life. I'm going to make this statement. We are champions in training. rather than victims to our struggle. Too many times in my life, when I hit the tension of my process of transformation, I find myself running down the street in the middle of this training called life. And I made myself out to be a victim of the struggle and the tension. But the truth is, I was suffering yesterday. The truth is, I was struggling yesterday. The truth is that you were struggling last week. The truth is, you might struggle next week. The truth is, you might find Struggle Street more than you want. But the truth is, what God says about you is that you're a champion in training because you're a champion and you're a hero and you've got a trainer and his name's Jesus. Trust your training. Trust your trainer. Trust that you're worth it. And what happens is, is when we want to circumvent the process, when we want to shortcut the plan that God has for us, we're cutting out vital lessons that we need to learn in order for us to walk in fullness, to be able to walk spiritually fit, to be able to walk with the fitness that we need to endure what it is that God has for us over here. I'll never be able to endure the 70.3 miles that I race if I don't learn to endure the 50, 60, 70 miles that I train with. I have to train like I'm going to race. I have to practice like I'm going to play. God has us in a practice mode sometimes, and we want to look at it as a prison, like we're being held back, and we're being forced down, and we're being stopped, and our lives are meant to just be destroyed, and we're disqualified, and we've been discarded, and God says, you're a champion in training. Why don't we stand? I'm just going to have them lead us in this song. And here, here, here's what this moment is for you. This moment for you is a time to reflect. And this is the, 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 this is the key. This is the statement. This is the decision that you get to make today. It's your decision. And here, here, here it is. God, I trust you with my process. Let me say that again. God, I trust you with my process. If this is resonating with you, repeat this with me. God, I trust you 
with my process. Let's say it again. God, I trust you with my process. Reflect as we worship. You have freedom to, to actually respond however you want. Prayerfully, you come forward, whatever you want to do. We have a team that can pray with you. But this is your decision and you have a choice on how you're going to respond here this morning. Amen?
Cause this is where I'm meant to be Me and you and you and me And I don't have to prove a thing That your voice is right You've already approved of me Cause this is where I'm meant to be Me and you and you and me And I don't have to prove a thing I don't You've already approved of me This is where This is where I'm meant to be Me and you and you and me I don't have to prove it safe It's already proved that This is where This is where I'm meant to be Me and you and you and me I don't have to prove it safe You've already improved on me You are closer, closer than my skin You are in the air I'm breathing Tears when the dead come back to living. I feel my heart beating again. Feel so good to know you are my friend. My You know, we're returning back to the place that we were meant to be. This morning, it's your decision. For some of us, we've taken back control of our process and, and, our, and our life and our plan. That maybe we've walked for six months or six years or 25 years. It doesn't matter the time, but we've taken back the keys of our life so this morning it's it's us physically turning those back over and can I tell you that you're worth it like this is what you were meant for you were meant for more than merely breathing you were meant for more than whatever it is you're sitting in or walking in or running in you were meant for more than you even understand that we were made for more than what we see right now so we're just going to sing that we're returning and this is us singing this over our own lives We are returned. Yeah. We are returned. Yeah. 
we have returned. Let's sing this. We have returned. Calling back home. We have returned. We have returned. Let's hear your voices here. We have returned. This is your declaration here this morning. That we are returning here this morning, God. We are returning. 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 We are. Because we are returning. We are returning. We are returning. He's where the dead come back to live. I feel my heart He's where, he's where the dead come back to live. He's where the dead He's where the dead come back to live. I feel my heart Cause you are closer, cause you are closer, closer than my skin. You are in air I breathe Here's where the dead come back to live. I feel my heart beating again. It feels so good to know you are mine. If you need prayer this morning, I want to highly encourage you to come forward for the rest of us. You're a champion in training. You are not a victim to your struggle. You're a champion in training. You are not a victim to your struggle. We are in the process of transformation. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're a champion in training. You are not a victim to your struggle. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen and amen.